So this morning, I'm going to be preaching a message. We've been in this series called Jesus, just called Jesus. And we've done Jesus, you know, our protector, our shepherd. We've done Jesus, our friend. We've been going through the series of Jesus. So this morning, I'm going to be preaching on Jesus, our daily bread. Jesus, our daily bread. So that is the title of my message. If you are taking notes, they do check notes in heaven. So when you get to heaven, the Lord's going to say, hey, can I see your notes? If you don't have notes, you might not get in. I'm just kidding. That was a joke. Please do not quote me on that. So this is what I need from you guys. I'm glad that you guys are laughing a little bit. That's kind of my MO. I try to make people laugh as much as I can. It doesn't work too often, but it happens sometimes. So I need you guys to respond with me this morning. Normally I don't preach from notes, but I feel like this is just like jam-packed full of stuff, so I want to make sure I get it all. Um, I did like five different pages of notes, so if you see me flipping through, that's why. So Jesus, our daily bread. How many of you guys know Matthew chapter 6, verse 9? Can someone say it? Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, can anyone say it? If, if I, I'm going to show it to you, and y'all are going to be able to say it with me. Y'all ready? Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, this is what it says. It says this. Our Father in heaven, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Daily bread, right there. Give us this day our daily bread. It's, I was kind of hoping that someone would be able to shout out that verse, but it's kind of funny how we know the Bible. We know what it says, but we don't know where it's at. You know what I'm talking about? How, like, you can, like, oh, it says it somewhere. Well, I think we need to get to know our Bible. Um, and that's kind of part of what I'm going to talk about. So it says, our Father, give us this day our daily bread. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to go into this. But So, Lord, I thank you right now, Lord. I thank you that you are our daily bread, that you are our source. You are the one that we can run to in our time of need. Lord, you are the one that we should run to in any moment, God, whether that's to, to praise you, to worship you, or if that's... God, because we need something from you, but we will run to you. We choose to make you our source this morning. Thank you, Lord, for being our daily bread. We love you. We love you, God. I pray that everything that I say this morning would just come directly from your heart, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. So this morning, I need a response from you. If I say something good, you could say that's good. If I, if I say something that's not very good, you can still clap, make me feel okay. Um, if you could, turn to your neighbor and say, I prayed all week that I would be sitting next to you. <laughs> okay, now turn to your second choice. Turn to your second choice and say, <laughs> no, I'm just playing. Uh, I think that's so funny. Sorry, I make myself, if, if y'all don't laugh, I will. So Jesus, our daily bread. Matthew 6, verse 9, our Father. Then it says, give us this day our daily bread. That word daily right there, it means super, substantial, essential. It means what is needed for that day. What is needed for that day. So when we pray this, because this is what the disciples say, how do we pray? Can you teach us how to pray? And he says, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be in our name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And so as you can see, all of the different words that are being used in here, it starts off with our, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom, your will. Give us this day, forgive us, forgive our debtors, do not lead us, deliver us 
Yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. This is how we pray, right? Where in this did it say me or I? Did y'all see that anywhere? I saw we, us, yours. I'm not saying don't pray for yourself. I think that you should encourage yourself. I think you should lift yourself up. But when Jesus teaches us to pray, he's teaching us to pray for our us. So we need to find our us. Who is your us? Who in your life is your we? It might not be every person, but who are those people in your life that you go to when you're down? Who are those people in your life that are around you at all times? Who are, the, who are your core people? We have a teacher at our school. His name is Mike Massa at CFNI. I don't go there anymore, but Mike Massa is a legend. He is the best. Mike Massa, if you see this, I love you. I love you. I love you. And he tells us that this is our garden. That's what he calls it. He calls it our garden. And so the people in your garden are the people that you should be praying for all the time. The people in your garden are the people that can call you at 3 a.m. and you would answer them and you would do whatever you, whatever they need, you would be there for them. That's the people in your garden. So when you're praying, you're praying for our us. So when we pray, we shouldn't have tomorrow's worries in mind. Because if we can trust the Lord as our source and our daily bread, then we know that he's going to give us what we need for that day. So we don't have to worry about tomorrow. The Bible says in Matthew 5, it says, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow's worries, they have its own worries. You don't need to worry about tomorrow. Worry about right now. But it's not saying worry in a bad way, but it's saying, hey, let's, let's focus on right now. Let's focus on today. I'm not saying don't pray for your future. I pray for my future all the time. I pray for future church. I pray for my future family, my future wife. But I focus on my daily bread. And your daily bread, it's not just for you. So if you look at, and we're going to get more into this, but your daily bread is Jesus, right? So we have our daily bread. He's our source. But your daily bread isn't just for you. It's for your us. So like the revelation that you get from the Lord, what you receive from the Lord, what you get in prayer, what you get in your time of alone time with the Lord, yes, there are some things that you should keep secret and private. You know, you have your husband and your wife. You're going to keep things just between you and them and not tell anyone else, right? But I think that a lot of Christians have kind of, They've been in this fake privacy with the Lord. Hear me when I say this. They've been in this fake privacy with the Lord where they're like, well, the Lord showed me this revelation, but I'm going to keep it between me and God because I want to I keep it close because it's private. And you have this fake intimacy just because you're not willing to go share with someone else. I don't think they heard me, God. I don't think they heard me. There's this fake intimacy. There's this fake little boundary that you've placed with your relationship with the Lord that justifies you not testifying to other people. I've done this. The Lord has shared stuff with me. Maybe he gives me a word for someone, and I'm like, ooh, I'm going to keep that between me and you. And the Lord's like, what are you doing? I told you to tell them. Go tell them. Right? But we've been in this fake privacy with the Lord where we're like, God, this is between me and you. I'm not going to tell anyone. And the Lord's like, I gave you that word so you can encourage people. Get up and go do something. Quit being this Christian that is just a stay-at-home Christian. Yeah, I was telling everyone this morning, there are days where sometimes I forget that I'm a Christian until like 7.30 at night. You know, through the whole day, you don't love anyone. Through the whole day, you're just kind of like, man, I'm just going to get through my day. You go to the store, you get, you get what you need to do done, and then, and then you move on. And you, you, you passed countless people, and none of them received the love of a father because you, you weren't 
focused on that, right? And so I want to encourage you guys that your daily bread, what you receive from the Lord, is not just for you and God. There are some things that are, don't get me wrong, there are some things that are just between you and God, but some of the stuff that you're getting in your quiet time, quit using that as a, as a, as a boundary, as a crutch to not disciple people, to not encourage people. Does that make sense? Okay, if you're offended, it's okay. If you're mad, it's okay. We're going to get through this. So this is where I'm going to be at. I'm going to be in John chapter 6. So if you have your Bible, that one, what I just said, that was all for free. I did not actually. That one was just the Lord that came out. The best water. It's going to be more anointed now because I'm drinking this. All right. John chapter 6. I'm going to start in verse 22. And before I read that, I'm going to go let you get some time to get there. John chapter 6, verse 22. So do you guys remember in Matthew chapter 4 when Jesus went to the, he went to the, um, he went to the wilderness to be tempted? So the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. It says, literally, the Bible says that Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Spirit to be tempted. And I read that and I'm like, why would Jesus go willingly to get tempted? But it's just for him to show us how we should respond when temptation comes. So this is what it, in Matthew chapter 4, this is the temptation from the enemy. We're going to be in chapter, in John chapter 6, but I'm just going to read this really, really quickly. Matthew chapter 4, verse 3. It says, he went to the wilderness to be tempted. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward, he was hungry. I would be too. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the son of God, and you hear this preached all the time, he's attacking his identity, right? He's attacking his identity. He comes, if you are the son of God, if this is really you, then do this. And he's attacking our identity, but this is what it says. It says, command that these stones become bread. And that's the first temptation that the enemy throws at, at Jesus, right? He says, if you are the son of God, then turn these stones into bread. Turn these stones into bread. And so this is where I have been convicted when I was, when I was going through this, when the Lord was showing me this. I was getting convicted so hard. Because the temptation of the enemy is for us to turn stones into bread. That is a temptation. We have the ability to turn stones into bread. And this is what that means. Peter, later on in, in Acts, I believe, see, I was talking about this, how you know the Bible, but you don't know where it's at. But Peter says this. He says that people are living stones. People in the Bible are living stones. The translation for stones in that is the same translation that, that the enemy uses right here, right? So people are stones, and then the enemy looks at him and says, hey, if you are the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. So the temptation for us, for the, the temptation from the enemy for us is for us to turn stones into bread. It's for us to turn people into bread. It's for us to turn our pastors, our mentors, our leaders into our daily bread. See, because you can go and you can be like, man, Pastor Chris, Pastor Chris, I need a word from you. Can you pray for me? Can you do this? Can you do this? I got convicted of this the other day. I was going through something on Sunday last, last week. I was going through something and and I was just like really frustrated. I was sad all day long. I had one of the longest days of my life. I think I cried more in that day than I had ever in my whole life. And I was just, I was just thinking and I was crying and I was crying and I was crying. And, and my first thought was, okay, I need to call somebody. So I went to my phone and I FaceTimed one of my mentors and they didn't answer. And the Lord 
I had my Bible in front of me. This is funny. So I laid on my bed. I had my Bible in front of me, and I was like, okay, I'm going to get with my source. I'm going to get my daily bread. I started to read, and I was like, I should call someone. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to call someone to talk to you. And so I called them, and they didn't answer. And the Lord was like, hey, they didn't answer for a reason. And I was like, man, I needed to talk to them. I thought they were going to help me. And then he says, you're trying to turn your mentor into your daily bread. He says, you have the word right in front of you. Instead of running to people, instead of running to your mentors and your pastors and your leaders, why don't you run to the source? Why don't you run to the word? Why don't you run to Jesus, our daily bread? And so that's what I'm going to be talking about. Because we can go and we can get words. I can go to Pastor Chris. I can come to his office at any time, and he's going to be there. And I know he's going to be there, and I can get a word from him. I can go to, to mentors. I can go to, to one of my mentors. I can go to J. Lou and be like, hey, J. Lou, can you help me with this? And he'll give me a word. I'll go to Aaron, and he'll give me a word. I'll go to here, and they'll give me a word, and it'll be really good. But none of those words can sustain me. None of those words can sustain me. You can get words from people. You can get words but unless you know the word, you will not be sustained. You will be encouraged for a few days, and the next thing you know, you're going to be back into temptation. You're going to be back into your sin. You're going to be back into what you tried to get out of and tried to get out of, but, but you couldn't. You cannot live off of a word from a friend or a mentor, but you can live off the word of the Lord. So I'm going to go, John chapter 6, verse 22. On the following day, so I'm going to give a little context before I go into this. Context, 5,000 people were just fed by Jesus. Jesus just fed the 5,000. He just showed them. He's like, look, I'm the Lord. I can multiply. I can provide. So they get all this, this bread and this fish, and they eat, and they're filled up, and then they go, and then it says that Jesus, he went into this boat. He didn't leave yet. The disciples crossed the boat. They crossed the, the, the sea, and then they're following the disciples, and they're like, where is Jesus? Where is Jesus? Finally, the next day, as Jesus walks on water, too, and this, this, right before this, he walks on water, and then he gets in the boat, and it says that they, they appeared at where they were going. I always read stuff like that, and I'm like, man, people just skip over stuff like that. Like, Jesus was teleporting. He was teleporting. That's what it says. Look, in verse 21, then they willingly received Jesus into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. That's crazy, but people just go over it, and I'm like, man. Jesus teleported. I want to do that. You ever been late for something and you're like, man, teleport. I want to do that. So that's the context. Jesus in the prime of his, of his ministry right now. Thousands of people are following him. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people. On the following day, when the people who were standing on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other boat there except that one, which his disciples had entered, and that Jesus had not entered the, the boat with the disciples. So that's what I was just talking about. So he ends up being there. So I'm going to jump on to, to 26, verse 26. Jesus answered them, and he said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and you were filled. Right? So Jesus, I don't think that Jesus was mad at this. I don't think Jesus is rebuking them. I think he's more, he's more trying to build their faith, right? So he says, he says, okay, you are following me. You seek me, because not because you saw the signs, but because you experienced the firsthand miracle, Right? So he's saying, you seek me, you search me out, you are looking for me because, not because you saw what I did for everyone else, but because it happened to you. And that's not a bad thing. I believe that the Lord wants to show, he wants to give you faith and he wants to impart faith. He wants to, to author faith in our hearts by showing you something firsthand. But what happens in your life when everyone around you is getting their miracle and you aren't? Have you ever been there where you're like, man, I need money. I need my bills to be paid. I'm sick. I need healing. 
And the people next to you in church are like, the Lord is so good. He just blessed me with $1,000. I won the lottery. I'm healed. My legs are broke. Now they're not. Like, all this stuff, right? And you're like, man, I have a cough. And I've had this cough for months, and I can't get rid of this cough, and I need healing. And then the Lord's, like, zapping people, and it's like everyone around you is getting healed, and all this miraculous stuff is breaking out, and you're just sitting there like, man, it's not happening to me. But it's easy to seek the Lord when everything in your life is going good. But what happens when you're looking, where is your faith when you look around and everyone is experiencing what you need to experience and you're not getting it? Where is your faith? Where is your faith? So this morning, I'm going to call us back to our source. That is the goal of this message, is to call us back to our source. Call us back to Jesus being our daily bread. So this is what we're going to do. I'm going to keep reading. I'm going to keep moving on. And and I'm just going to, we're just going to read the Bible this morning. So verse 27, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. And when they had said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? So all these people, God, what shall we do that we can work the works of God? What do we need to do to work the works of God? How many of you asked that question before? God, what do I need to do to be in your will? What do I need to do to do the works of God? God, I want to serve you. What do I need to do? God, I want to I do this for you. What do I, show me what I need to do. And this is how Jesus responds. So if you're ever asking the question, hey, God, I need help. What should I do? I want to work the works of God. This is, this is Jesus' response. If you're ever asking that question, this is his response. This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. If you ever want to do the will of God, believe Jesus. I don't know. I feel like you guys need... Y'all want me to say something really awesome and really good that you can write down? If you want to do the work of God, believe in Jesus. That is the most simple thing, and we've made it the hardest thing in the world. God, what should I do? I want to serve you. I want to get a word. I want to do this. Well, believe me. Read the word and believe it. I know it's, it's not that easy. It sounds really hard. Like, it sounds really easy, but it's not that easy, right? If you want to do the works of God, then believe in him. Because when you believe in who Jesus is, everything that you do will operate from a place of faith. So it's like, Lord, Jesus, I read your word. You said that you're a healer. That person's sick. I believe you're a healer. Okay, let's go pray for them. Right? Jesus, I believe that you can provide for me. And they need money, but I need money too. And this is all I have. But Jesus, I believe you. I believe that you're my source. I believe that you'll provide for me. Hey, here's some money. If you believe Jesus and you believe who he is, then everything that you do is going to flow from that place of faith. And you are going to be able to encourage and empower other people and not just worry about yourself. Right? So if we believe Jesus, you're going to do the works of God. God, I believe you're a healer. All right, let's pray for them. God, I believe you're, you're a provider. All right, let's give to them. God, I believe that, you, that you're going to bring breakthrough. All right, let's go pray for them. Lord, I believe that you're a deliverer. Okay, let's go, let's go deliver those people. But we've come to this place where it's like, okay, God, I believe that you're a healer. That person's sick. Okay, Lord, heal them. And you just you move on, right? How many people have we passed throughout our day where they need money? 
And, the, and this is so frustrating for me because I, I do a job. I work, I, I work valet, right? And so I'm not trying to condemn anyone. I'm not trying to judge anyone. But I was telling people this morning, like, I get frustrated when people in Lamborghinis come and give me a $5 tip. Your car is, how much is your car? And you're giving $5? Or, like, s- people come in with $75,000 cars and they tip two bucks. And I'm like, like, dude, if you can't pay even a percentage of your car, like, if you can't tip, like, even 1% of your car, then you probably don't have money, right? Like, that's crazy. But, like, the thing is, is, is I get frustrated, right? I get really frustrated. And, and I'm thinking, like, man, this is so, this is crazy. They have all this money. I saw, like, someone yesterday, they had hundreds, hundreds. They, were, they pulled out their little money clip, hundreds, 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 hundreds. Probably, like, probably like $2,500 in his wallet. Boom, 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 hundreds, 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 hundreds. A dollar, a dollar. Here you go. Two dollars. I'm like, bro, I can make change. I can make change. I can give you 90 back. Like, I can do that. And I'm so frustrated because I'm like, bro, 2,500, you have $2,500. And you give me two dollars? Like, what do you need that for? If you really need it, go put it in your bank. Like, if you really need that money, and I get so frustrated. But the thing that frustrates me the most, some people can just be bad tippers, and that's fine. But I was talking to a waiter and a waitress the other day, and I was asking them about, like, their favorite day to work. And they all had their favorite days, and they all said, our least favorite days are Sundays. I said, why? And they were like, because everyone after church comes in, and we don't get any money. And we don't, nobody tips. And you know they just came out of church. You know they're in their Sunday best. You know they just got out of church, and they don't tip, or they don't tip well. I get into people's vehicles, and they're really mad. Like, like yesterday, I was, I was dealing with something, and they, like, went back and, and parked into our lot, right? So it's all valet. So I'm like, hey, guys, unfortunately, this is all valet. Um, I'm going to need to either get your keys or you're going to have to go park somewhere else, you know? And they're like, oh, okay. And they're really kind about it. They give me their – and I could tell that they love the Lord. I could tell. I knew that they loved the Lord by the way that they responded to me. And then there are other people. I'll do that. Hey, guys, this is all – I'm really kind about it. And they're like – well, the sign says, I'm like, no, the sign says this. You're not reading right. You need to learn. And they're like, da-da-da-da-da, and they're yelling at me, and they're da-da-da, and I'm finally like, all right, whatever. Like, unfortunately, like, you're, you're probably going to get towed if you don't leave. And so finally they end up leaving, or they come around, and they're like, oh, I couldn't find any parking. They're like, I'm going to go find parking on the street. Ten minutes later, they come back, and they come into our valet spot, and their head's all down, and they get in, and they're like, I'm like, hey, how are you guys doing tonight? They just look at me, and they I just have your last name, and they get in the car, and they go inside, and I get in their car, and there's Bible verses taped onto their window. There's, they have the Christian radio on, and I'm like, dude, there is no way that you spend time with Jesus, and like, I don't even say that in a bad way, but if you are spending time with the Lord, and you come out grumpier than you went in, you're not spending time with my Jesus, and that's so funny, but I'm so serious. There are people that have been in church for years and years and years and years, People that I've met, some people, I don't want to, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do, do it, Lord. There's some people in this church that I have talked to, and they've been frustrated with me, and they're mad at me. Me and some of the friends are, we're joking around in the back, and they yell at us, knock it off, da 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 And I'm like, dude, we're just having fun. And then I'm thinking, like, they've been in church for so long, and they love the Lord, and they're, 
It's like, how long have you spent time with the Lord? Okay, so you're saying that you've been walking with the Lord for 40, 50 years, and you can't be kind in church? Like, that blows my mind. And I don't mean to, I'm not, like, trying to judge anyone for this, but, man, like, we need to be better at loving people. We need to be better at showing people that we love the Lord. So, I'm going to encourage you. When you go out today, if you express your faith in any way, tip. Give people money. If you go out and you ask someone, if we were to go take a poll at North Park, if we were to go to the mall and, hey, guys, what do you guys think about Christians? They're not going to tell you, man, they love so much. I love being around Christians. They're so kind. They always give me money. They always do this. They're always so loving. No, most people are going to know us for what, we've, what we don't like. They're going to be like, oh, yeah, Christians, the ones that hate, hate gay people. Christians, the, one that hate, the ones that hate the LGBTQZR community. element op and they're like if we were to go take a poll they would probably not say like oh yeah i love when christians come into my restaurant because i know they're gonna tip so well but if you believe jesus as your source as your provider then giving to people should be easy giving to people should be so easy so i'm calling us back to our source our daily bread all right, so let's move on. So this is the work of God that you believe. So if you believe that Jesus is your, is your source, quit depending on your paycheck to pay your bills. If you believe that Jesus is your source, quit depending on that money that you loaned to come back for you to pay your bills. Quit depending on those little things to pay your bills. Why don't you depend on the Lord? I promise you he's going to get it done. He always does. He never fails. So we're going to move on. So it says, therefore, they said to him, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? So they're asking God, what are you going to do for us that we can believe you? And they're coming back and they're saying, our fathers ate the manna in the desert. So they need a miracle. But they just ate the bread and were filled up, right? But they're asking God, can you show me something else? Show me something else. And then Jesus says to them, most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And then they said, well, Lord, give us this bread. And then this is where it gets weird. This is where the whole story gets really, really weird. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And I'm, if I'm back there, I'm like, huh? What do you mean you're the bread of life? What does that even mean? He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. This is the second attack, I believe. We have that first attack of turning people into our daily bread, turning other things into our daily bread. And then we have this next one where the temptation from the enemy is for us to see and not believe. For us to see the Lord move in people's lives and not believe what he's doing. It's so easy to be in this, in this room when miracles are breaking out, when people are getting healed. It's so easy to look at everyone and be like, man, I believe the Lord. But what happens when you go out and nothing's happening and you're not here, you're not in this community, you don't see people, you're, maybe you're out and people are just being crazy? Like, you've seen the Lord. Maybe you've grown up in church and you've seen God this whole time. You've seen him move. You've seen the way he's moved. But you still, are, you still have a, uh, like a struggle believing. It's like, man, and that's the temptation of the enemy is for us to see the Lord move and not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Verse 39, this is the will of the Father who sent me 
that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing but should raise it up the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up that last day. And then, so this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you three indicators that you've forgotten your daily bread. So I was talking to my friend Aaron about this, my friend Aaron Smith, and he preached on this um, a couple weeks ago, and we've just been like talking and dialoguing about it, and we've, we've grown together in this aspect of daily bread, and so he kind of showed me some of these things. So the first indicator that you've forgotten your daily bread is unbelief. It's seeing with your eyes, but not believing with your heart. It's seeing with your eyes, seeing the Lord move, but not believing with your heart. Because then the Jews complained, and they were mad about it, and they had seen God move. They had seen him. They had eaten the bread. They had been filled up. And yet they're asking for another sign. So they're seeing it with their eyes, and they're not believing with their heart. So if, you have, if you're ever in that place where you see all these good things happening around you, you see the Lord move, and you still have doubt in your heart, it's a sign. It's maybe it's an indicator that you've forgotten your daily bread. It's, you've forgotten to, to plug into the source. So the next thing. It says, then the Jews complained about him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph? Is this not like Joseph's boy? Is this not the guy that came right out of this little manger? How is it then that he says, I've come down from heaven? We saw him be born. Like we, how, and they start complaining about him and they start, they stop, they stop honoring. And that's what it is. If you forget to honor, it's probably because you've forgotten your daily bread. If you get to a place where you forget to honor people and to honor the Lord, it's probably because you're not plugged into the source. It's probably because you haven't been spending time with Jesus. If you forget to honor, I have been in many situations where I have forgotten to honor. <laughs> My mom is right there. My mom. My mom is right there. Sometimes I forget to honor. But... Like, honor your father and mother. That's the first command with the promise, right? Honor your father and mother, and you will have long life. Youth, students that are in this room, if you want to live long, honor your mother and father. Sophie, if you want to live long, honor your mother and father. Levi, Harmony, if y'all want to live long, honor your father and mother. And so they start complaining about it, and they're mad, and they're saying, you are, you're this, you're just Joseph's boy. How can you say that you've done this? And they forget to honor and then he moves on and he says, do not murmur among yourselves. So he calls him out straight up. Hey, don't be talking about me behind, behind my back. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets. And they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the father except he who is from God. He has seen the father. And then he says, most assuredly, I say to you, the be he who believes in me has everlasting life. And then he says this, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Your father's ate, and this is, <laughs> I read this and I was like, dang, Jesus. He goes, he says, I am the bread of life. And then he says, your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they're dead. And I read that and I was like, oh my, oh my gosh. And he says, he says, yeah, they ate that bread and they're dead now. And I'm like, whoa. I doubt he said it like that, but that's how I read it. And I'm like, dang, that's crazy. And then he says, this is the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. 
And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the world. So this right here, this right here is where it gets really weird. He says, and the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. So I was like teaching this, to, and I was going through this with my students, and I was going through, and I was thinking like, man, like if I heard that, let's say I'm Jesus right now, and I was like, all right, guys, you guys want to live forever? Yeah? Eat my flesh. Huh? Everyone's like, hmm? what does that mean? Eat my flesh. It's like, okay, we're going to get like a fork and a knife. We're going to go through my arms. We're going to do, like, no, what does that mean? Eat my flesh. And he moves on, and he goes on, and says, and the Jews are like, they, they argue, it says they argued among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? And that's exactly what y'all would do. Y'all be like, yo, how's it, how are we going to eat his flesh? That's weird. And then Jesus says to them, most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and you drink his blood, you have no life in you. And then it gets even weirder. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up that last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh, and he keeps going, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so he feeds on me. So he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He says it again. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. And this is how we all responded, would have responded. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, they looked at each other and said, this is a hard saying. Who can comprehend this? That's literally how they responded. It says it right here. It says, this is a hard saying. Who can understand this? And then, so that they're quarreling among themselves. Who can, this doesn't make any sense. This doesn't even, what does this mean? And then Jesus says, does this offend you? And I love when Jesus does that. He'll just come straight out and say stuff like, hey, is this making you mad right now? Are you frustrated with the way that I'm talking right now? He's preaching. Are you frustrated with the way, are you offended at what I'm preaching? I could ask that same question right now. Are you guys offended at what I'm saying? Maybe. And he says, does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But, they are, but there are some of you who do not believe. And I think that sometimes the Bible will kind of throw us some hints. And it kind of it makes me mad sometimes because I'm like, man, he spoiled the whole story. Because then it says, for Jesus knew from the beginning that there was one who did not believe and he would betray him. And I'm like, man, I wanted to read that later. Like, he spoiled it. And therefore, I've said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. And this, this, is, 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 one of, this is the place where I'm about to land the plane right here. We're going to end here in a second. From that time, many of his disciples went back and they followed him no more. That's what it says. So people kind of like, they, they don't understand exactly. So the Bible, it says they had, there were a lot of disciples, but then they had the 12, right? So there were like, I think it was like over like 400 disciples, right? That were just following him all the time. But there were only 12 apostles. There were 12 people that stayed right beside him. The 12 disciples, the 12, his 12, right? So let's say there's 400 people in the room. I start preaching this message. Let's say Jesus walks in, 400 of us. All right, I'm the bread of life. Drink my blood, eat my flesh. I'm the bread of life. If you want life, come to me. If you want life, come to me. If you want life, come to me. If you want the bread of life, I am the bread of life. Come to me. And as Jesus is saying all this, people are getting up and leaving. 
People are getting up and leaving. People are getting up and leaving. They're going to the bathroom. And they leave. And they walk out and they leave. And they keep leaving and they keep leaving. Finally, it gets down and there's only the 12. It's just the 12. So thousands followed him. Thousands of people were there. By the end of him talking about this, there's only 12. Because they're mad and they're offended and they're frustrated. And then he looks and he turns to his disciples. And I feel like this is something that that maybe the Lord has asked you. Maybe he hasn't. Maybe he will. Maybe he won't. But there's this question that he says, he looks at his disciples and he says, do you also want to leave? Hey, do you want to leave too? Everyone else has left. Do you want to go too? And, and whether or not they say yes or no, I think Jesus is going to be okay with their response. I think that's where people can get kind of messed up. Even in, I'm not a parent, but I've, I've walked with kids. I've walked with teenagers and I've walked with, I, I was a manny for a little bit. I like babysat little kids. And I remember I learned this thing where when you're giving people options, you have to be okay with, with either one that they choose, right? So when you're mad at your kid and you're like, okay, well, do you want to put up your phone or do you, do you want me to, to, yeah. Okay, we know you want them to put up their phone, so say that. But like, it's like you give them these outlandish options. You're like, hey, do you, do you want to give me your phone or do you want to go sit on the roof for 80 hours? It's like, okay, that doesn't make any sense. Like, no, I'm not going to do either of those, right? But when you give people options, give them options that you're okay with them, them picking, right? I do it at Valet all the time. Do you guys want to go find a, my manager's here, and I'm all telling all these things that I'm doing at work. He has no idea. And I'm like, do you guys want to park here and give me $20, or do you guys want to go find parking on the street? Give them options. They got to pick one. They have to pick one. They can't just... Do you want your car to get towed or do you want to give me $20? Like, you know? I don't think that's allowed. I might get fired. It's okay. The Lord's my provider. (laughs) Um, And so he says, do you also want to leave? And I think he's okay with either response. And then this is where I want to be like Peter. And I think that this is a question that the enemy might come to you and he might ask you this question. I think a lot of times the temptation of the enemy is not always to attack you with sin. I think that this is what I've been learning. The Lord is going to protect you when the enemy comes, right? But I think right now, for me in my life, the enemy's not so much attacking me with sin, but he's trying to attack my source, right? So if, if there's a day that I'm going through my day and I can justify every little thing that I, okay, maybe I didn't read my word today, but I worshiped for a little bit. Okay, maybe I didn't read the word today, but I hung out with my friends and I fellowshiped. Maybe I didn't read the word today, but I prayed with my husband, with my wife. Maybe I didn't read the word today, but like, but you know, I prayed for someone. I didn't read the word today, but I, but I prayed to the Lord. I, I didn't read the word today, but I, I spent time with my kids. I didn't read the word today, but I bought someone lunch. I didn't, I didn't read the word today, but, but, and all of those things are good. But the enemy's temptation is for us to take those things that we're doing and justify them for not getting the word right? So I've been, I've been tempted with that so much lately, and that's what means turning, turning stones into bread, turning people into bread, because it's like, okay, I didn't read my word today, but I had worship music playing all day long, and I encountered the Lord. Okay, that's good, but that, that one experience, that one moment cannot sustain you. Get in your word. Get in your word. And so this is how Jesus responds, or this is how Peter responds. He says, but Lord, to whom will I go? 
where can I go? Jesus says, do you want to leave? And he says, but where would we go? We've come to believe and we know that you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And that is what our response should be. The enemy is going to come to you and maybe, maybe you were walking with the Lord forever and then something happened and you fell off and you went back to your old ways. And the enemy's always going to look at you and he's going to say, do you want to leave? I think you should just go back to your old ways. I think you should just go back to what you're doing before. But I want our response to be, but where would I go? I've seen too much. That's basically what Peter's saying. He said, we've seen you. We've seen too much to go back to what we were doing before. We've seen too much. We've, we've, seen, we've, in, we've encountered you. We've experienced you. Where would we go? And that should be our response. When, when the enemy comes with, with uh, sin or with temptation or with this or with that, or maybe someone in your family got cancer, or maybe, you're, maybe someone in your family is sick, maybe someone passed away, and you're like, man, God's not real. God's da-da-da-da-da. But I want our response to be, man, like, and the enemy's going to come. He's going to say, God really did that for you. God is the one who gave him cancer, da-da-da-da-da. And then he's going to say, Do you, you should leave. You should leave the Lord. And I want our response to be, but where would I go? Where could I go? I've seen too much. I've seen the Lord too much. And so to wrap all of this up, I've been saying getting back to our daily bread, getting back to our source. Let me read something for you, and I'm going to show you exactly what Jesus means. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of the darkness, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Right? So, in the beginning was the Word. So we can take the word, Word, and we're going to replace it with Jesus. Okay? In the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Jesus, and without Jesus, nothing was made that was made. In Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And then verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light. So we're going to keep going and keep going. I'm going to move on so, it, so I can get done. Verse 14. This is where it all comes in, comes in this full circle, right? Chapter 1, verse 14. And the word became flesh, and he dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is saying, eat my flesh, drink my blood. If you want to know how to eat the flesh, Read the Bible. All this whole sermon, this whole thing that I was going through, with all of these little things, these indicators that you've forgotten your word, or that you've forgotten your daily bread, your daily bread is the word. If you're not in your word every day, you might forget your source. And I'm not condemning anyone. There are days where I go and I like I said, I try to justify, but but I talked to Pastor Chris today, but I but I got prayed for, but it was good but you didn't read your word. And it's not condemning. It's not one of those things where like Jesus, Jesus is like, man, you didn't read your word today. I can't bless you. No, like that's not what I'm saying. But, but when we come to find Jesus as our source and we come to know that the word became flesh and we can eat the flesh, we can eat the word, then we know that Jesus is our source, right? So we come back to our source. 
So if you want to know how to eat the flesh of the Lord and how to have eternal life, read the word. Read the word. 